Hi everyone, and welcome to Elite Rugby SNC podcast. First off, if you haven't already, sign up and join Elite Rugby SNC today. We provide you with all your strength, conditioning, speed, and recovery needs. You can try before you buy, so try try our seven day seven dollar trial to get a taste of what we offer here at Elite Rugby SNC. Sign up to our newsletter as well and receive free bonus content each and every single week. So take your game to the next level, become a beast, and join Elite Rugby SNC today. So today's episode, we are talking all things recovery. Ben shares some great insights into all his knowledge around recovery and provides you with great takeaway points. We hope you enjoy this episode. Remember to like, share, and subscribe to Elite Rugby SNC today. G'day, Ben. How are you going today? Yeah, really well. Thank you. On the road again. So um, good to jump on the podcast finally this week. Mm, totally. It's a beautiful day here in Canberra. Um, and I'm really looking forward to some afternoon rugby with the Brumbies and Hurricanes. Yeah, it should be a great game. Go the Brumbies. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about how to maximize your recovery. So my first question today is, why do I need to recover? So a couple athletes in my time have said that. Why, why do I need to do recovery? Yeah, that's a really good question. And um, at first, you need to understand fundamentally what training is about. Good training is to get you to a stimulation to put stress on your body um, so that your body has to do something that's a little bit uncomfortable for it. And it has to adapt and find uh, a new level of norm. To do that, you have to recover from that stress um, so that your body can adapt and uh, uh, literally build a better um, body in a way, and physiology, um, and even sometimes psychology, because it, it taps into your demanding on your psychology. To do that well, you have to have rest. You think humans fundamentally, we need to sleep. Why do we sleep? Because we need to recover even from a normal day, let alone a day that has um, training in it as well. Mm, totally. And the training is the stimulus, but the recovery is where we allow the body to create those gains in our strength, power and speed. So yeah, if you're not doing that properly, then you can't really maximize the time that you did just spend at the gym or out in the field. Yeah, exactly. You, you could have the greatest training session in the world, but if you don't recover from that and you try and train again quite quickly from that, you're actually going backwards rather than forwards. Mm, totally. So what are the best recovery options out there for players? Yeah, the best recovery options are the absolute fundamental needs of a human, hydration, nutrition, and rest. They are the big rocks. That's what really, really matters. Without those fundamentals, um, it, all the others are just little strategies to potentially help that process. What's your view? Yeah, so we've covered the big rocks and you just you just can't go past them and you need to have be having some really good whole foods, um, really good very, uh, variety of just fruits, vegetables, proteins, carbs, getting everything in, in your diet and making sure that you're sipping on water throughout the whole day and then especially after training and having a really good sleep hygiene. So making sure that you have a really good routine of going to bed, you know how to downregulate yourself, especially if your training is at nighttime and you get home pretty late and just 
yeah, creating that routine. And the other ones I think really help is doing some foam, foam rolling and stretching. I think that's a great way, especially prior to bed. It's a great way to downregulate the body and put yourself into a sleep-like state. Because if you remember what, just whenever you go to get a massage, if, if it's not getting into your hip flexors or anything, majority of the time you're quite relaxed and you do drift off to sleep. I have drifted off to sleep a couple of times. So it's like, okay, I can do that before I go to bed, doing some foam rolling, stretching in a relatively dark room. So I've got a, like a dimmer light. So it goes down really, really light and makes it a dark room. And as soon as I'm doing that, I'm starting to get tired. I'm starting to get sleepy. So it's a good way to get some extra mobility and, but then allow you to get into a sleep state. And then once you jump into bed, you're falling asleep. I think the other ones we, we can look at is doing some cold water immersions or some hot, cold showers. I know that you're a big fan of that. Did you want to sort of elaborate on those two? Yeah, and it's uh, particularly, uh, there's a little conjecture going around um, cold from some research. It's saying it's stopped power output. But it, from a club training point of view, most of this happens in the evening, right? This is, or an academy setting. So one of the key things um, after you're training that late is to downregulate, as you were saying pretty well. So I found um, that cold works quite well because cools the body, uh, cools the body temperature down. But how hungry are you in winter versus summer? So when you think about that in summer, when you're feeling really hot, it's hard to eat. Also another thing, when you're feeling really hot, what else is it hard to do? Fall asleep. So if you need that um, sort of support because you've got evening training, cool yourself down in some way of um, ice water, cold showers, something where, that you can tolerate it and just take your time to build down the temperature. There's no need to, you know, if you've got a psychological problem about the cold water, it won't, you won't enjoy it. So take your time mm -hmm. to cool that down. But after that, you'll be able to eat more and you'll find you'll fall to sleep quicker. So that's where I find um, the cool is really important for our club rugby players um, because they are training in the evenings. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's some great points. And I think the probably the easiest one is just doing hot, cold showers. You don't really need to get a, a whole buckets of ice and put it in the bathtub. You can just yeah jump in the shower and, and easily do that. Yeah, and look, it's yeah, even yeah, a cooler shower where you start warm and you cool it down, and by the end, you know, the last 30 seconds, minute, it ends up cold. That's that's mm. sufficient. Um, you might not have the benefit of being in there where you're actually taking the weight off your body. But that's okay. This is purely about cooling your body down so that you can get more nutrition and fall asleep easier. Mm. It's a great way to focus on breathing as well because when that cold water hits the first time, you're like, oh, geez. And then you really have to like calm it down and calm the system and then hence down-regulating. Yeah. So when should I, as the athlete, start the recovery process? Well... The recovery process starts as soon as you stop training. Um, you think, okay, there's a really good window. So we know you, you can get some hydration in if you've been sipping water as you go, get some uh, hydration in there. There's a great window when you finish training. It's almost like the, the game window, anywhere from half an hour to an hour prior to training. If you get good quality nutrition in at that point, um, there's extra benefits. So as soon as you can start and you think of, what do you do when you finish training? Um, for those people that are a bit tight, that's when you actually stretch those areas that are traditionally a bit tight. 
and then have water and make sure that you've got some form of food within that window. That will make a massive difference to you later on. Yeah. What's mm. your views on that? You've got some more to add, I'm sure. Yeah, it's, it's definitely as soon as you stop training and start cooling down, that's our recovery process. So hopefully you've been sipping on water, like you said, throughout the whole session and making sure that you get that water back in. Depending how far away you live from your training facility, having something ready to go, some fuel, such as up and go, muesli bar, or just a protein shaker is really handy to have on the way home. And then once you're getting home, making sure that you're, you're having some dinner or, or lunch if you're trained in the after, in at midday or if you're trained in the morning, making sure that you're having your breakfast. So it's timing that really well. And the sooner you get it in, the sooner it can start to get broken down and absorbed by the body. So some people don't really believe in that sort of window of opportunity, the 30 minutes hour past training. But I think as, as soon as you're getting it in, the sooner you can start utilizing that and the sooner your body can start using it to recover and, and feel for the next session. Great. Mm. So we've probably already touched upon the big rocks, but just to reemphasize, what are those big rocks when it comes to recovery and what are the small rocks that can also help with recovery? So the big rocks are is, is treat your body um, really well. So we've talked about fuel, hydration, stretching, and also one of them is actually having a psychological relaxing state as well. So a bit of socializing and mucking around with the guys after um, training is quite good, a bit of banter, uh, particularly if it's been really hard, like it's good to be jovial as well. Also, one of the other ones is um, when you're not involved with football, to get away from it, some have some social time, to have some activity that actually switches you off from it because we can't just focus on the one thing all the time. Some of the, if we start getting down to some of the smaller rocks, you start going, well, um, we've looked at the cold water. Now we can start looking at things like compression garments. That can be very handy as well, whacking those on. Um, then obviously foam rolling, that type of stuff in your spare time. Great. Some people don't believe in that as much, but um, if you can't afford massage or a massage gun, something like that, that's a great way of actually maybe not on that day or the next day helping with that process. The other ones is looking at, um, you know, some form of, like you were saying, the protein straight after training. It, people think it's a big rock, but that's a, a smaller rock in the grand scheme of things compared to really good nutrition, which is good quality food and um, hydration. You've got some more to add? Yeah, I think we've, we've touched upon the big rocks really well. And just some of those smaller rocks, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of doing some foam rolling and, and using the trigger ball and some bands for stretching. I think it's just a great way to restore a range of motion that maybe if say for instance after you finish work and say you've been sitting down all day or if you've been on the tools I think it's a great way to just help release the body and then get it into a more functional body before training after training like I said I'm using it to really help down regulate before going to bed I think some other small rocks is just going for five ten minute walk um, I think that's a great way just to, especially without your phone, just to go outside and if it's dark, just sort of enjoying just sort of the fresh air, especially if you've been in, indoors all day or if there's sun out there, just enjoying the nature and just what you see. And it's a great way just to switch off from rugby and 
Another one would just be jumping in the pool. I know a few of my my athletes here down in Canberra love to just go to the pool straight after the gym or on the Sunday after a game and just do some laps in the pool, just walking, some just basic dynamic movements and then jumping in the spa. They, they find that's a great way to just switch off, feel better about themselves, but also have a bit of banter with each other and just talk about the game and talk about what they did last night as well. It's, I'm glad you brought up the pool because uh, currently helping out the Air Force rugby team. Um, yeah, some really good lads there because they had a week of training and a fair bit of training to what they're used to. Within that eight-day period, they had um, three pool sessions purely for that reason, to get them in, moving around, taking the load off the body, some mobility. Um, yeah, and they all spoke very highly of it because traditionally they might do one in a lot of training, but they've done three where we've able to increase the intensity and probably um, the amount of work that they get done in their periods of time because of that. And this is some guys that are no different from say club rugby. They're not super conditioned, but to get through that training load week, we had to do a lot more pool. Mm. So it's really good that you've mentioned that. Mm. Totally. So moving on to what are some gadgets slash devices that should be avoided when it comes to recovery? Yeah, there's a lot of fads out there um, and some really good things like that, that really expensive compression boots or compression pants that, um, you know, quite expensive. They're not to be avoided, but they're not um, overly, you know, they're researched, but they're not overly needed. Like that's a pretty expensive way, bit of gadgetry, really. Um, but massage guns are good, but they're not the be all and end all. In fact, you, if you overuse them, you can do a bit of bruising and stuff as well. Um, if you don't know, um, you know, how muscles are, I guess, the, the lines of effort and how they contract and what their purpose is, you can actually be going against the grain of a lot of the time and actually causing some problems because, you know, just because it feels good doesn't mean you're actually getting some waste products out. So a proper masseuse will actually be pushing materials in a direction so that it's part of the drainage of getting some issues out and they'll know, um, what's muscle and what's a nerve or what's a tendon, what's unlike a massage gun or a, an individual that doesn't know anatomy. Mm. So great, but they're, I'd leave them later down the track. They're not the be all and end all. And have you got any more? Yeah, I think you should be avoiding uh, cryotherapy. Like just the research around it isn't good and it's shown to just not work. And again, it sort of fits into that fab where it just looks cool <laughs> so i'm gonna go do it and so seeing a lot of athletes do it and it's just like well you could be ticking off those other big rocks and you don't need it so you've just wasted time and money going to do it and it can be quite expensive for people who can't really afford it but they see superstars playing super rugby and oh they do it i might as well go do it but if you just stick to those big rocks and those areas that don't cost anything like oh foam roller costs a bit but you're looking at maybe like 50 dollars if that like it's and it's just and they last forever same as a baseball if you're going to do some trigger point and you don't really need need a band for stretching you can just use, use a towel so there's many other ways yeah. that are going to get the best bang for your buck and probably do a lot better than say cryotherapy and if anyone out there has watched um, Hard Knocks before on the NFL, they they film a team before going into the NFL season. And Antonio Brown, who's a, a big character over there, he did it. And he actually 
I think he wasn't wearing socks or the socks were too thin and he got blisters on his feet and he couldn't train for two to three weeks. He was, so you do run the risk of some, some recovery of things that might, if you don't do it properly can uh, cause an injury themselves. So just be careful out there if you are using that type of stuff. Yeah. And look, there's, there is some research saying it does work, but it's, you think of the, the times that um, maybe in elite sport when they do use it, it's when they're in intense camps and they're training a few times a day. The problem is that they can get through the camp, they feel good, but the, the, the actual fatigue builds into the next week. So it it's may help to get through that camp, but it doesn't mean that that workload hasn't caused trouble. It's just they can pull more in, but is there a cost later because, you know, the fatigue builds up, which a lot of teams find. So that's where they try to go away from it. Sometimes it's it's masking an issue of um, the way that you've planned or scheduled. That's the problem. If they're not recovering from your schedule and needing to do a lot of that, um, you know, no recovery will make up for a bad schedule. Mm. True. So what does recovery look like after work? So for athletes who work full-time, part-time or casual or study, what does that look like after work prior to their training? Yeah, and this is probably a really good question because it's so relevant. Um, you probably remember back to the pre-season sort of lessons learned in the academy in heat of summer. So rather than guys going home, we'd actually get them to come in, um, have some food, uh, have some hydration, hold shower and ice bath and then put them in get them to choose a quiet area around the place that's dark and if they wanted to have a 15 to 20 minute sort of close your eyes they didn't have to sleep without their phone made a huge difference so some people won't have that option right they literally won't have enough time so what you might want to do is when you get out um, of your work do you decide i'm just going to spend a five or ten minute walk before i jump in my car okay loosen up a little bit then when you get to training you, you've got some stuff there ready to go so you've got some pre-training fuel that you consume on your way to work uh, on the away from work to training when you get to training stop stretch rest there's nothing wrong with um sitting down with a couple of mates for a little while and talking about something just to unwind from your day of work and finding some music that sort of unwinds you, but doesn't pump you up too much on your way to training too, is another way. Um, have you got any good tips? Yeah, I think you, you covered most of them. It's making sure you got some fuel ready to go. So if that's a banana and a protein, uh, up and go before training, sweet, have that. Doing some mobility to restore or improve your, your range of motion, especially if you've been, like I said, sitting down or on the tools. Having a hot, cold shower or just like so something along those lines can really help sort of just, just wake you up and sort of feel refreshed afterwards, especially if you've been outdoors working in the sun all day, it's a great way to just, yeah, just, just feel a bit better about yourself prior to training. And then, yeah, just having a possible naps. Let's say if you don't have the luxury of going home, but you get to training 20 minutes before it, sweet, have a 10 minute nap in the car. If you can um, just put the recliner back in the car and, put some sunnies on and just, just have a quick nap. If you can, yeah, just find little snippets of time in your routine where you can do little things like that and, and going for a walk or something along those lines, then yeah, try and add those in and see if it makes you feel better before going to training. 
Hi everyone, we just want to take a quick break from this episode. We hope you're enjoying the episode so far, and also all the content we have produced. We appreciate all the support from our listeners and followers so far. If you haven't already, sign up to Elite Rugby SNC newsletter today. We provide you free, exclusive content every single week to our subscribers. Please find the link in our bio. Remember to like, subscribe, and share Elite Rugby SNC on all social media platforms to all your families and friends. Thanks again for your support, and now back to the episode. So, what does the recovery look, process look like after training now? I think we've probably covered that earlier. Um, so we'll just go over that again. Is um, like you said, hydration, nutrition, some mobility, getting home and having a good meal, um, and just resting up. So, but that that is the absolute key. There's no getting around that. There's no magic trick it's mm. just good, good discipline and good organization yep have your routine have everything ready to go because you don't want to get there after training so you get home and you haven't done any something like meal prep or something like that and you're like oh shit i don't have any food so i might just go out and buy something and buying something might not be the best option for you financially but you might go and buy something that you probably shouldn't go buy um, as well so I won't mention any names or anything like that so yeah just just being well prepared and having your routine down packed um, is is the best way to go yeah I agree and then after game day it's again it's the same thing it's making sure that you've you're getting some fuel so if your club provides you with some food after the game sweet go get that as soon as possible don't be the one uh, who comes in late to the change rooms after the game and all the food's gone. So make sure that you're, you're ready for that. Have, so you have some hydration, have some chalky milk ready to go because there's nothing better than after a game. No matter if you win or lose, it does taste better when you win though. Just having some chalky milk ready to go and get, getting your sleep that night as well. Even if you do go out, which we have touched upon in previous episodes, just making sure that you do get a good sleep, roll and stretch, go to the pool the next day, um, just get out of the house and yeah, just, just th things along those lines. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Mm. It, it, it's no different to after game as it would be after training. You, you treat that the same, probably just um, you might add a little bit of ice to bruises and that type of stuff, because if you get on top of that early, it makes a big difference as well. Mm. And, and just on that, that Sunday after the game, try and get out of the house as well. Try and go for a couple of walks. Um, I think it's a great way just to downregulate and just not be a couch potato as we have alluded to in, in previous episode as well. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with being a couch potato because you're resting, but just get some mobility in there, get some movement. Yeah. Walk your dog or walk a friend's dog. Yeah. yeah. Or take your friend for a walk, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> So what does recovery look like in the super rugby setting from your experience, Ben? Yeah, well, it's the guys are pretty disciplined there and it really depends on your leadership group. So uh, from my experience, the guys are really good. They'd actually go in, no staff involved. They do it the next morning themselves as a group. Okay, They'll go in and use yeah, the hot colds, different things, the saunas, um, and actually use it as a bit of social time and fun time. Um, on the Monday, we'd come in and actually organise another um, session there, a re recovery session that they do in the morning. So they get two days in a row. From that, 
but actually when I was looking after the recovery, there were lots of different systems and so forth, but I narrowed it down to giving people choice based on how they came in. So there would be a cold protocol that I would call the North Sea. So this is people that are just really flat, you know, when you're nearly just flat and you're just so fatigued. Um, so they would spend up to 10 minutes in, in an ice bath um, or not an ice bath, a cool pool. They could get in and out, but they'd accumulate 10 minutes. Then I'd have another one called uh, the North Coast. So you're thinking more around Byron Bay, that type of stuff. Um, and that would be, say, two minutes warm, one minute cold. So it's not, you know, you're not in the tropics. So you're just spending a little bit more time there. And that would be more for the guys that are uh, not so, I guess, fatigued, but more a little bit banged up. Okay. Um, they're a little bit, yeah, they've got some bruises and that type of stuff. So the cold's trying to look after it, but they're not that fatigue so that way the hopefully the the warm helps with that and also I have another one called the south coast south coast in south Wales is a bit colder so um it would be the opposite way around it'd be more cold than hot so about 50 percent more warm than cold on a protocol and then the last option was called a tropical treat so that was uh those that needed to go on a tropical holiday uh they weren't they just wanted to chill out they just you know Mentally, they might be racing at a million miles an hour type of thing, um, and they just want to chill out. That they'd get an option in this sauna. So I'd have those written up in the protocols, um, and when I saw the guys, I'd just go, "Oh, which one are you choosing today? I'm going to choose this for this reason." I go, "Okay," and then just have little conversations with them about that. Um, and they seem to enjoy that because uh, they discover what works for them. So rather than you know we're doing this as a team. They could float in at different times. So just because everything in a football program is so regulated, schedules to time, how much effort, it just gave them a more relaxed environment where they were choosing something that benefited them. So it actually, um, psychologically, it didn't make it stressful. It made it a more enjoyable and practical experience for them. So I, I probably learned the hard way over many years of being really dictatorial with recovery uh, I think you just create some psychological pressure that you don't need to when you do it that way I think it's if you treat people like adults they will behave like adults and I think um probably learned when you're a young coach you you tend to be a manager rather than a facilitator as you get all your influence and facilitate things rather than going thinking that you're controlling things so, mm, yeah awesome probably many yeah. the philosophy behind it as well which yeah. is important i think now it's awesome to get give players options because some players might like other recovery options more than the other and if you're doing something that they don't like then they might skip those days when you're not watching um, they might not do it because oh i have to go do this but i like doing that and yeah, just giving them the option and, and telling them why that option's good and why this one's good as well and just allowing them to pick. I think that's that's really good because then they'll still they'll still take the initiative to go do it themselves when no one's watching. Yeah, and uh, when we got to, when we actually started lifting uh, that morning, because 36, within about 36 hours, even under 48 hours, our main lower body session was happening. So you think they played Saturday night, Monday morning, they're cracking into it and shifting series 10. Mm. Um, a lot of teams wouldn't do that, but we, we were so happy with our guys' behaviour after games, what they did the next day and that morning. We're, 
it gave us the luxury of doing that because they were very mature. The other thing we would do is do some uh, counter movement jumping on a, uh, just using Olympic bars with um, gym aware. And if they weren't within 90% of their best jump that they've done ever, we'd have a system there. All we'd recommend for them is it's crazy. For the three days after that, they get an extra hour of sleep those nights and they accumulate each day after training 10 minutes in the cold so that we can help their nervous, um, central nervous system just chill out a little bit. Yeah, crazy how simple it was. Mm. So we'd just go, oh, look, you're a bit fatigued. Why don't you get in the ice bath a little bit more at the end of the training day and sleep an hour extra for three nights in a row? And that got them in a good place pretty quickly. That's cool. So with the cold water immersion, is 10 minutes sort of that magic number, like accumulating that 10 minutes? And if, if so, is it like if I'm coming in to the pool, am I doing two minutes, then just hopping out for two minutes, not going into the hot, just sort of allowing my body to heat up again, then jump back in the pool, if that makes sense? Yeah, well, you think of uh, how individual people are. Let's think of a little halfback to a tight, uh, tight head prop, right? So uh, tight head prop is going to take a lot longer to feel cool because their body mass compared to their skin surface area is different. So if we take a little person, put them in, they get cold quicker. That's why pool, um, kids' pools are heated to higher temperature because the amount of skin surface area they've got to their actual size, they cool down really quickly. So you'd let them accumulate it based on how they do it. So there is no magic 10 because there is no magic one person's size. So yeah, I, I didn't really mind if they got into some warm or whatever got them through that process. I'm a big believer that it's actually more psychological than physiological as well. So you've got to let them enjoy that environment. Um, and the fact that they're in hot and cool, some flushing, that's fine. I don't really mind. It's just the, the idea that they spend more time in the recovery area and accumulate that 10 minutes. Okay, awesome. And then when you're looking at the, yeah, the hot, cold contrast, do you like to go for that one-to-one -one ratio majority of the time? Or is, again, it, it really is focused on that individual of going maybe two to one or one to two. Yeah. Okay. Fatigue, I double the amount of cold time versus warm. If they're sore and stiff and banged up, I'd twice the amount of heat to cold. So it might be two minutes. If they're neurally fried, it might be two minutes um, cold. And then it would be one minute uh, in the hot. Okay. Or it could be, three and two, just so a, a half to a third longer in the hot. If they're um, to swap that around, and that's how I'll do it. So it'd be rare that I'd actually do 50-50. That might be occasionally, but you'd just look down that way. So I'd have a really cold 10 minutes, then one based on 50% extra cold versus hot, then one that's 50% hot more than cold, and then a tropical treat, which is hot. So that way there's clear the delineation. It's rarely 50-50. And not that 50-50 won't work. I just found it um, for a player, I'd make it, you can't sit on the fence. You've got to choose what you are. Awesome. And I always thought the kids' pool was warmer just because of the little kids are peeing in it, not just because of their, their skin, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it, when you think about that, because you think about surface area on a person and then you go, oh, Sometimes that's why some people can handle the cold 
but the little mm. guy there is just shaking. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's probably 50% harder. He's got hardly any body mass compared to his skin size. So mm. that's where he's losing it. So um, that's what you've got to be careful of with people as well. Mm, totally. So there is a recovery system. It's quite popular out there. It's sort of, it's the hundred point recovery system. And I'm not too sure who invented it, but looking back at the research, uh, Dr. Stephen Bird is one of the, so hopefully one of the originals. And I think that recovery system is quite cool. And it, and it goes back to everything you just said, Ben, of providing options. And it gives you a point system. So you have to get a hundred points and you have to tick off the big rocks, such as sleep, nutrition, and hydration. And then all those little rocks, you can start ticking. Um, do you think the recovery system, the 100 point recovery system is something our listeners should, should look more into? Absolutely. We'd actually tell, tell the boys that that's what they've got to do as well as those other recoveries. So we'd expect 100 points. Um, we actually, because we're in a good system, we actually made a branded one because some people sponsored it in a way. So certain compression garments. So we actually had it up there with the actual companies involved as well. So it made it really, really cool. And uh, to recognize the, the support of those groups at Hawk was with a hundred point. Yep. We use awesome. it for that reason to give people choice on, um, and again, what they have and what their lifestyle is and what they want to enjoy. It's so, it's one of those things where you truly get to individualize it and find out what works for you. So mm. yeah, I agree. get that for sure. And is it a hundred points every day or is there some days it's okay, maybe you need to take off 50 points or 40 points? Yeah. So this is a really, really good question. Um, sometimes in the first couple of weeks of preseason, uh, even a few weeks, we wouldn't even allow them to use recovery. Right? They weren't even allowed to go into the recovery rooms and stuff because we wanted to force their body to actually have to adapt um so that we can use those recovery rooms and that in the later period of time so yeah we and we wanted them to know what it felt like to be tired and sore and stiff and what other things they need to do so that when that comes to playing games they're used to that as well so we force their bodies to have to adapt and some years we've actually um withdrew caffeine so that they couldn't find any artificial <laughs> stimulant um to actually help with their training so that I had to really understand fatigue. Um, yeah, hopefully that answers your question there a bit. Mm, so yeah, I think some days just sort of look to what your schedule is, and if you can get, if you can only achieve fifty points recovery, that is way better than just doing nothing. Um, the days that you can yeah. do it, so say if it's a Friday before the game or a Sunday, really hit that hundred points of recovery. If those are the days that allow you to do it, um, because you might not be training or your work schedules um not as hectic so yeah play around and just just plan it out um on each day what points you're going to try and hit and what recovery modalities you're going to try and use yeah i would target around um what's going on so if you've got uh your game after that yeah 100 points the next day you've got your 100 points you've got stuff maybe you can do 50 on your Monday, you might be doing uh, a gym session and it's not that hard You're compared to footy. You, you might choose one of those different contrast training sessions. You go to Tuesday night, big scrum night, lots of mores, good contact. You're probably going to have to go to 100 points and you, use some cold. So you start looking at your schedule and go, okay, 
what do I need to help with that schedule rather than just the same thing each day as well. Awesome. So we do have a fan question today from, from Kyle, aka KB. Um, he's curious around how to blend hypertrophy and power training together. What would that mix look like? And is it possible to do it in the in-season? It sounds like every rugby program out there um, for most people, especially um, say for Caucasian people. Um, how do you blend it? Well, what you do is we, with training, there's sort of things. The first thing you do when you're fresh, you can work on speed and power. So the front end of your training session, you warmed up, it's explosive and powerful. Then what you do is target, as you like to call it, um, say some armor. So that's where you do hypertrophy-based stuff on things that might add some armor to different areas. Um, and that's how you do it. And can you do it in season? Yeah, you can. And you should be because if you don't, you're losing muscle mass. Okay. Some people don't need the muscle mass. They, they might need um, power and just strength because they, they're, they're big people anyway and they find it easy to put on muscle. Um, you'll find that, yeah, more than 50, maybe 60% of programs in season are based around that anyway. So that's no problem. That's just smart scheduling and you'll be able to do that. Mm, totally. And again, yeah, coming back to the individual player, if the player can put on size quite quickly, then maybe you don't have to. You just focus on that strength and power. But for a player who does struggle a little bit to put on size, putting that armor sort of towards the back end of the session can be really beneficial and it's sort of just sprinkling it in it's not just doing a whole ridiculous amount of volume at the end of each session it, it's sprinkling it in so they're getting sort of the, the bare minimum stimulus but they're going to get that um, adaptation process and it's just adding it in so because you don't want it to feel well, you don't want them to feel really sore for the next day and then you've impeded that recovery process and their performance for that next training session as well it's doing yeah, that bare minimum so you can get a good adaptation to it. And you can definitely achieve it for the in-season. It's just smart scheduling, knowing when your bye weeks are as well. If you are talk to your coach and like, all right, during that bye week, we might want to do a tiny bit more of hypertrophy, um, but still maximizing your power and strength um, and speed work as well. Not just putting all that to the size uh, side to focus on size. It's just sprinkling it in, like I said, and, Yep, it's definitely achievable uh, during the end season. I think we might even have a product to help with that too. So. Yeah, doing our program. <laughs> <laughs> all righty. So that's all the questions uh, we have for today. So do send in your fan questions. If, if you have a question, send it in to us. We're more than happy to answer it. Is there any final uh, words today, Ben? Yeah, remember... Get a really good stimulation, really good recovery, and that's the secret to uh, getting gains and actually performing better. So, yeah, treat recovery well because there's a reason why you have five-day weeks and weekends because that's to recover from work. Why wouldn't you do similar philosophy when you're training as well? Make sure that you organise your life so that you enjoy training because you're adapting better than anyone else. Mm, 100%. And if you like this episode, everyone, make sure to like, share, and subscribe. If there's certain players that need to listen to this episode, please pass it on and make, make sure they listen, they listen to it. Uh, you're gonna make sure you're sitting there and go, you cannot leave until you yep. listen to this. Yeah, if you have to, force them to listen to it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Kieran.
So thanks for tuning in to another episode of Elite Rugby SNC podcast. Remember to like, subscribe and rate Elite Rugby SNC on Spotify, YouTube and Instagram. Sign up to become a beast today via the link in the description or via our Instagram page. Also remember to sign up to our newsletter and receive free bonus content each and every single week. So don't wait, make that good decision and join Elite Rugby SNC today and take your game to the next level. So thank you everyone for listening and thank you Ben for joining in today. Thank you.